Welcome to the ISO, the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. Today's guest, someone that uh, has a ton of media requests. Glad to have him on. We won't be uh, too selfish with his time as everybody in college basketball media landscape wants him as a guest. None other than what should be the unanimous player of the year in the WCC. I don't want to go there too soon, Drew, but he <laughs> shared it this year. None other than Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Drew, thanks for joining Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, uh, we're going to have a long, uh, kind of a wide-ranging conversation today. You and I have talked a, a number of times over the years at practice before and after, and uh, I've always found uh, conversations with you to, to you know, be lighthearted and, and you you speak what's on your mind. Um, you know, when you looked at the landscape of college basketball and how awards are divvied up these days, and there's a lot of political correctness I personally was frustrated for you, as well as my, my broadcast partner, Richard Fox, on the Chicago State game, that you had to share the WCC award. Now, Brandon Pajemski is a really good player, and I don't want to take anything away from him. What were your initial thoughts when you heard that? <laughs> well, I saw I saw Player of the Year first on, like, the, the Zags post. I was like, oh, bet. And then, I, and then later I saw it was a co-player of the year, and I was like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He's a hell of a player. But, I mean, if you look at, like, my thing was, like, how can I be on, like, the wooden lists and all these lists? And then, like, you know, no one else in the conference really is. Yep. So that was the only part that didn't make sense to me. Not trying to take anything away from him. But I think I think it's pretty clear cut, I would say. Yeah. No, I would agree. And and that's what the thing that, you know, bothered me when I when I when I saw that. And Richard Fox really went in on it on the on the broadcast. Uh, you know, the fact that you're going to be a three time All-American and not to take anything away from him, but there's levels to it. And you've learned this by being in this long enough. There's levels to accolades. There's levels to awards. There's levels, uh, you know, to just notoriety and reputation. And I think you've earned the right to have that award by yourself. That being said, heck of a senior year. Congratulations up till now. No, I appreciate you. It's been it's been a fun ride for sure. You know, when you look at this senior year and you, when you announced last year, pretty much, if I remember correctly, you announced maybe with a couple hours left in the uh, time frame to say you're coming back to Gonzaga. You know, the expectations were high. Um, the the outside perceptions, um, they were frustrated at times with some early losses. And I was like, look, this college basketball season is wide open. This team has a lot of room to grow. You guys have put together a heck of a year. You're poised uh, for another big time run in the NCAA in the postseason. Um, are you happy with where things have been up until now uh, with your senior year? Super happy. The thing I'm most happy about is how well this team fights and handles adversity because the, I don't think there's one team that you can say, like, this team is going to be in the finals, except for maybe, like, Houston. You know, like, if you were just to look at the paper. But, like, it's it's a wide-open year, and we've, we've played some tough games, and we've lost some tough games, and we've also won some games. You'd probably be like, huh, I don't think – like, Alabama, don't think – I don't think anybody really picked us to beat Alabama by 20 or whatever it was, like. Yeah. It's kind of wide open in the way that we've been able to fight and kind of just keep battling no matter what happens is what I'm most proud of. And I think that we see that kind of our young team growing up just as the season's gone on, like 
you, I mean, you get a firsthand view every game. Like our defense is getting better. Everyone's getting a little more confident with each and every game. Like this is the stuff that like gets me really excited. This kind of a, a, a vet you, you could say is just like seeing the young guys really kind of come into their role and get more and more confident within their roles. Yeah. I think a lot of guys have made big jumps in their game throughout the course of the year. And, you know, I think Julian Strother's made huge strides over the last two months. I think Nolan Hickman, uh, you know, I had a nice freshman year, but Andrew Nemar has been a tremendous point guard for the two years previously. So much uh, was placed on his shoulders and Nolan had to grow into it. I thought he's done a great job. Anton Watson still doesn't get the credit. Is there one teammate that you look at and say, you know what? He's been the backbone to what we've done throughout this season. And we couldn't be here poised to make a nice run in the postseason without this guy. That'd definitely be Anton. I mean, there's games where he'll have like 15 and 10 and like you don't even really hear anything about it post game. And you're like, how do you, how, how, are, how are we not talking about Anton more? Like, why isn't he getting recognized more? And I think just his like in his defense too. I don't, I got pissed off the other day because he didn't get defensive player of the year or make first team. I, both of those are crazy to me. I don't understand who votes, how the voting works, but uh, that dude guards guards, bigs. He guards the best player night in and night out. Like, Without him, I don't know where we'd be uh, right now. Yeah, Richard Fox and I had both had that same comment on the broadcast the other night. I mean, the fact that, first off, I, th- I think the WCC is messed up in the fact that there's a 10-player first team and then a five-player second team and then honorable mention. It's almost like they're taking the easy route and just saying, hey, let's throw 10 guys on here, five maybes, and then a couple, oh, we forgot about yous. Um, but really <laughs> – yeah. I mean, it should be first, second, third, and honorable mentions in my estimation. Yeah, no, it seems a little too uh, participation medal-esque nowadays, <laughs> I would have yeah. to say. No, I, the, the per- participation medal is a, is a, is a buzzword in, in youth sports. Obviously, you're not in youth sports anymore. You're, you know, at the college level, knocking on the door of professional uh, level. But let's go to the, your youth basketball days. Um who kind of was the first mentor, the first impact to really kind of guide you in the world of basketball and kind of fuel that love for the game? It definitely, it definitely was my dad. I mean, he's he's my hero. I wanted to be like him. I used to rock this. I used to rock a shaved head back in the day because I wanted to be just like him. And he uh, he always would just work me out and like we'd always watch games together, watch film like. I just wanted to be him. And then like, just through trying to be him, eventually I kind of developed my own love for the game. You know, when I got old enough to kind of understand what I was doing and that's just, that's where it all started for me. So is, is, uh, is that who you got your footwork from? Because, you know, obviously you, you probably rewatch games as all good players do just to learn positives that you did negatives that you did some guys listen to it with volume up some guys listen to it with volume down but you know every broadcaster seems to go back to the footwork and the balance and the patience is that are those traits you learned from him no definitely I mean and part of it was he always made me play against him and people older than me and I and I would get my ass kicked so much as when I was younger. And it was one of those things where it's like, I have to find other ways to score and like crafty ways to find a way to get to my, to be able to score and impact the game offensively. Cause <laughs> when you're younger, you know, and you really haven't hit like puberty yet and you're playing against all these like grown, grown men and, and even older, like high school and junior high guys, like 
shooting a regular layup's not going to work. You're going to have to do something different. And I think that's something at the time I didn't realize how, how much of an impact that would have on me now was by like getting your ass kicked and him always, and him always beating me until I could finally beat him. Like it made me come up with new ways to score and I had to get creative in. I think that's a big way. Like I just have that balance and those crafty finishes is I was forced young to like learn how to score in different ways. So myself growing up in the, in the Portland area of Vancouver, Washington, there was an athletic club that I had to go test myself at Uh, every Tuesday and Thursdays was pickup games and you had to earn your way to get onto the court. Then you had to earn your way onto the middle of the court. And then you had to earn, you had to win to stay on. Tell us a little bit about, you know, that progression for you. You talked about playing against your dad, some of the older guys there. Was there a court or an athletic club or a park or a community center in Dallas that you used to play at? Yeah. Uh, lifetime fitness is where, uh, my dad and I and my brother always play, even when I go home today, like during the summers, it's always Monday, Wednesday, Friday at lunch, and then Saturday and Sunday at like nine or 10. And I mean, there's three courts and it's winter stays, loser gets bumped down and guys are always trying to get picked up and everything. But that that's, that's where I kind of just look like really got some confidence too, especially as I started, you know, to mature a little bit around like seventh eighth grade I started to finally like grow into my body and really kind of get comfortable with who I was as a player and and my body like that's really where I picked up my confidence and kind of was like I was okay on there at first but then I would go back and play my own age I'd be like wow I'm kind of I'm actually kind of good you know like (laughs) you play against older people and you're kind of average and you go back to your own grade and you're like oh damn like I didn't know I was this good and I think that's something that was huge too and like I think that's what I realized, like, I've appreciated my dad so much is he never took it easy on me. We never, never got a participation medal from him, never got a, (laughs) never, never got any handouts from him. He was always pushing me and beating me and just fueling my competitive fire, pushing me to always get better. And then when I finally, high school and junior high rolled around, I started playing against guys my age again. I was like, I did not realize I was this good. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Lifetime Fitness. Uh, my place was called Club Green Meadows, and there was guys, high school, college, some overseas pros in the summers. Then you would have the random 50-year-old that just knew how to put a team together, and they would bring the ball up. They would pass it to the right guy, stay in the right spot, and they would be a calming influence. Anytime there was an argument, they would win the argument because they can go back and talk about hey, the score is really nine to eight because such and such happened 18 possessions ago. Was there a guy at Lifetime Fitness was that kind of mentor to you guys when you played? <laughs> yeah, there's there's always a couple of those dudes out there that, that just know everything and can always just hold court. <laughs> and yeah, no, nah, I mean, I feel like that's just a rite of passage when you're playing at, at like fitness centers like that. There's always at least three of those people there every time. <laughs> you know, uh Obviously, once you signed with Gonzaga, I, I kind of followed a little bit of your backstory and then got to meet you as a freshman. Uh, your freshman year, um, I was down in the Portland area coaching my son's AAU team, and I ran into Jermaine O'Neal. And he said, hey, look out for my guy, Drew Timmy. Uh, keep keep a close eye on him. He's going to be all right. And lo and behold, right around that time as you really – I thought got comfortable as a freshman and you started kind of playing extremely well. Um, What kind of influence has he had on your career? 
And then are there any other guys from the Dallas area, um, whether they're former pros or former college guys, they've really kind of taken a, a liking and really helped you out? No, nah, he, he's been a huge impact to me. I was able to play for his AAU team my last year, and he just the, – the stuff that he's been able to teach me just mentally and even just little things, just – I can't – he still teaches me today. And every time I'm – you know, maybe I'm I'm flustered or I'm, I'm not seeing things the right way or I'm just – I need to talk to someone. I know I can talk to him, and he'll always call and help me, like, work out problems. Or, like, if he sees stuff on the court that I'm not seeing, like, we can just sit and talk about it. And it's huge to have a guy like that, a guy who has that experience and everything. And then also, like, he'll also he'll, – he'll put the kicks on every now and then and play with us too, and it's just so cool to, like – play against Jermaine O'Neal you know a guy who's had a had a great career and everything and just to get his perspective on things because he he sees things that like regular people and even coaches don't see just as he has that unique perspective on the game and everything so it's awesome to have a guy like him and then I, I, I can't even name all the people that have helped me growing up I mean one guy that comes to mind is uh Rod Clark he's an assistant coach at Tennessee I mean he, we used to have this breakfast club thing with us and a bunch of like all the like best hoopers in Dallas. And he would make us get up at like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. And we'd have to go work out together. And just that was probably the, one of the most fun summers I ever had as a hooper. I mean, we had guys like Tyrese Maxey, like Caden Archie, like a bunch of guys playing D1 and everything. And it, it, it just was like we're just going to compete every day in the summer and just get better. And that that also helped me a lot, you know. And especially because I was like the only big dude. So I was going against all those guards all the time. So it was a lot of fun to kind of uh, work out with like a different group of guys. Yeah. So I know you got a, a lot of pride for your home state of Texas and the Dallas area. Um, you know, I was the same way coming out of the Portland area. Uh, give me your top five Dallas Hoopers uh, in recent memories. I'm, I'm sure you could go 30, 40 years back, guys that you, maybe you didn't see. But give me your top five Dallas Hoopers. Oh, man, that's crazy. I, I would definitely have to put Reese in there. What he's doing is crazy with the uh, Sixers. And then I'm trying to think. Jemias has got to be in there. Ramsey, he's with the Thunder right now. Uh, man, we've had some dogs come to Marcus <laughs> Sasser at Houston. He's he's freaking crazy, too. Uh Sam Williamson, he was a McDonald's All-American. He's a hell of a hooper. Uh, then we had guys like Emmanuel Moutier, Cade Cunningham, like Kyler Edwards. Like the list just goes on and on. Like it's hard to think of guys because there are so many. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds that way because, uh, you know, it's one of those fun things as your career progresses. You hate to say it, but some guys – fall off because maybe they lose the work ethic. They lose the love and the passion for the game. Maybe they don't get the opportunities. Some guys make the most of the opportunities in front of them, but it's always fun to reminisce. Um, when you look at the your career up till now, is there one moment in time that you, you think back and you're like, that was my opportunity. I made the most of it. And that's allowed you to get to where you're at. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, you, you talked about the Portland game earlier when I kind of got my confidence, but I really think the San Francisco game at their place my freshman year was kind of where I was like, I, I, I can play at this level. I belong here. And it was because Anton got hurt. Tilly was hurt. So, and because usually like we had 
Philip and Tilly, then Ton and I would kind of get our minutes here and there, you know, whenever we could. And it was like, we don't have Tilly or Ton. It's, it's you and Philip, and you better figure it out. <laughs> it, it was one of those things where, like, you kind of just get thrown in the fire, and it was nice, you know, uh, that leash is a little less tied on you as a freshman, and you, you, you can, you're allowed to mess up, and you're allowed to work through your problems. And um, I think that was the moment where I really was like, I can do this thing, and I, and I can I'm – like, I'm a Gonzaga player, like, through and through. Like, I can do this. And that was the moment where that opportunity came, and I, I just took it and ran with it, and the rest is history. So who was the main uh, recruiting uh, coach at the time that was focused on you? Was it was it uh, B. Mike? Was was Coach Few in the lead uh, of the recruiting? How did that work? Because I know every staff does things a little bit differently. Yeah, so uh, Coach Gentry actually – introduced like kind of Gonzaga and myself when he was at uh where was he at maybe SFA or Oklahoma State and then he left to Illinois but he introduced me to Gonzaga then B Mike took the lead on that and you know how B Mike is I mean I swear that dude called and texted me every day he is he he is a relentless mofo But he's as organized as they come. There's a there's a reason everybody calls him like Brad Stevens Jr. Because like he's he's as dialed in as you can get. I I love hearing his post game interviews, whether it's with us or another group, uh, because you know he he like literally dots every I, crosses every T with making sure he answers the question. Yeah, no, I'm not. If I had like a quarter of his focus in organization, I feel like. I feel like it would make me take another big jump because the level he's at is, is it's unhuman. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's a, that's a funny point because I, I think Brian Michelson, just like Tommy Lloyd is going to be a great head coach at some point, you know, Tommy, it took him 20 years before there was an opportunity that made sense. And I, I don't want to put this out there, uh, it, but he's a good enough coach that, I don't think people realize he could be running his own program at this point in time. And that program would be very successful. Share a little bit about just how good of a coach Brian Michelson is. Man, he, he just, he knows everything. I mean, he's been around the game so long. He's obviously had a bunch of players come through here. He's, but like more importantly, like his scouts are the best. Like when we have like a B Mike scout, we're like, all right, like, here we go. Like, it's we're going to be locked into their sets, their personnel. Like, he just knows the game so well, and he's so organized, and he's so smart offensively and defensively. Like, he just sees the game differently. And I think when Coach Few decides to hang it up, like, there's no better person to take the reins than B-Mike. Like, he's just kind of been that rock for us, especially especially my four years here. Without, without B-Mike, I don't know how successful we'd be as a program because he's kind of just – He's just kind of the wind for our sails, you know. He just always keeps pushing us and moving us forward. You know, he's great because he's even keeled, too. He, he doesn't get too up. He doesn't get too low. Uh, he's very analytical in his approach. He's very methodical in his approach. Um, with you, and take the uh, hopefully you take this the right way, kind of you show your emotions on your sleeve. You kind of got the, uh, the mustache deal. You got when you hit a floater, you go like this. Um, you know, it – what do you want to get into when you're done playing? Hopefully you got 12, 15 years left of playing at whatever level it is. What does Drew Timmy want to do? I definitely see myself kind of doing some broadcasting or podcasting or something. I 
I really like the social aspect of it. And I kind of like, I kind of like what you've done actually. Like you get to call GU games. Like that's pretty fun. <laughs> like to call, call games for your alma mater. And then even like, I saw you doing the UW game the other day. I didn't even realize you were, you were at ESPN too. So like kind of just your career path, honestly, like it seems fun. And then that way, like I can coach my kids games and stuff. And like, it's kind of like having a job, but it's, kind you know what I'm saying? It's kind of more for fun than an actual job. And that's kind of what I see myself doing. Hopefully after a long career. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that, uh, and we can talk off camera later on this, you know, the, the beautiful thing about the broadcasting career is, uh, you don't take the wins and losses home with you. <laughs> you know, I think the worst that's happened to me is I've had some random fan on Twitter blow me up for for stating a, a, a statistic wrong or or making a mispronouncing a last name. So that's about the worst that happens with that. Or a bad top five list, as we learned the other <laughs> couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, that that is that's actually on my list of questions I wanted to ask you about. I'm not going to put this on you as far as give me your top five, because I screwed that one up and I screwed that one up badly. Give me the four Gonzaga players that you want to play around you. Not necessarily the best, but that would be the best to put your team in a chance to win. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm definitely taking Andy as my point guard. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take you and Corey as my shooters. Need need some. If we space the floor like that, it'd be crazy. And yep. then um, I'm gonna take my man Ton for defense because he's a lockdown guy. So that's that's my five. Hey, is, Ton, right is Ton heading out right now? He's want to throw throwing a word on that. You want? <laughs> that's all i need to do we got scores you know i'll be on the defensive end <laughs> so hey hey tom before you leave because i know you guys got uh the meetings and different things give me uh a unique story about drew because you've uh, been close friends with him for four years now give me something that the average fan wouldn't know or wouldn't wouldn't expect to hear Man, PG, P lot. PG, yeah. PG. <laughs> I would just say, like, the weirdest thing I've seen Drew do is, like, he's been doing this since freshman year. Like, he twists his ankle, and he just starts stomping. Like, what? I've never seen that. Like, he just starts stomping <laughs> on the ground. I'm like, Drew, what That is doing? weird, yeah. But he says it helps him, so, you know, I don't judge. But wow. <laughs> stomping on your feet with a sprained ankle. I like it. Well, like, like if my ankle's sprained and, like, it hurts. Like if I stop my leg, it kind of makes it go numb. And the rest of my leg, you know, I like the rest of my leg kind of goes numb. So like, it kind of helps me forget about the sprained ankle. So it kind of gets wow. the blood pumping there faster. None of this has been backed up scientifically. Yeah. But like, I, I wouldn't own. imagine it has been. <laughs> it's my own science. It helps me. Like anytime you see me stop my like foot in the ground really hard, it's because probably because I rolled my ankle or something. Wasn't there something along the lines of I, I thought I saw something on Twitter. Someone was complaining about some red shoes that you threw away earlier this year. Is that right? They were they were, now people were wanting me to get rid of those because I had I've worn those things to the ground. They were falling apart. The late the like stitching was coming off. And I was like, my agent, my mom, like all my people were like, stop playing in those. Like those things are ugly. Like you've outworn them by a couple like a lot of games and I'm like I've got so many buckets in these shoes like the sweat equity in these shoes you can't pay for it like I need them and I, I had a proper sending off game I think it might have been um 
might have been around the San Fran game at our place where I was like, all right, these these are retired now. So, so how do you retire those? Because uh, if I look back, I've got a pair of shoes on my back here from uh, my NCAA tournament uh, my junior year. I got a pair from uh, on the other side here uh, my senior year in the NCAA tournament in my office. Do you burn them? Do you throw them in the garbage? Do you, have you saved them? What What do you do with those? So uh, the pair of Kobe's I have for my sophomore year, I have those hanging up in, in our family uh, game room. We have like a little like old school scoreboard in our like where my brother and I hang out with a bunch of like our trophies and stuff. And I have those uh, sitting up there. And those red shoes I have are chilling right now in the locker room. But those are going to be making their way home, too, just because a lot of buckets and a lot of a lot of memories in those. Absolutely. So give me your favorite pair of shoes all time outside of those shoes. Are you a Kobe guy or Jordans? Um, I know with being a Nike school, Nike elite, Gonzaga, you probably can't say you're, you know, a a Harden or a Dame Lillard shoe, right? Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie. The GTs, the new ones, I love those shoes, the old ones. I don't like the new ones, but the ones they made last year, I'm always trying to get pairs of those because those those are my favorite shoes to hoop. And I got – I got two black ones that I rotate now, so I don't wear them out as much. And then I have a, a white pair as well. And then the red pair, that one that retired, I'm just always trying to get new ones of those. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, the you would have struggled back in the day at Gonzaga because I will tell you this, my red shirt year, you probably won't believe this, my red shirt year, I was not in the team photo because we didn't have an extra jersey as a red <laughs> we didn't have an extra jersey that's how far gonzaga has come with gear we didn't have we we had to uh have hand-me-down sweats right so my red shirt year i got a pair of sweats to wear to class and the number on the tag was blotted out with a sharpie three or four times previously so they were like four or five years old so different than <laughs> worn those for a couple of years before i got them <laughs> that's that's crazy yeah that's that's insane i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm putting those on because those those probably had some mileage on them oh yeah they definitely had mileage on them that's for sure hey uh, when you look back at the course of gonzaga your career and obviously you know you, you got to be thrilled with how it's gone would your career individually have worked out the way it has if you went to another school Honestly, I don't know. I just think this system and what coach and how coach has us playing fits me so well. I think like I think I'd be good at any school just because of who I am as a player, but I feel like the level of success at this high of a level is due to the school, obviously, just because of how we play and just how I'm able to play within our system. But I think I'd be all right any at pretty much anywhere else, but not not near as here as I would as somewhere else. Uh, I love the honesty with that because, you know, Hooper's hoop, you're going to find a way to be successful wherever you're at. But guys that are in a situation that fit them perfectly also understand it's a perfect match on both sides. And, and I think, um, you know, I think Gonzaga has been a great fit for you. You've been an unbelievable fit for Gonzaga. Um, when you look at the, the state of college basketball in general, um when when you look at that is there a matchup that you wish 
you could have had over the last four years at Gonzaga? Do you wish you could have played against Duke? Do you wish you could have played uh, against another program? Mm. Not going to lie, I always wanted to play SMU because I remember my first time ever watching Gonzaga play was when they played at SMU and SMU won, and I was so happy. But I was like, my dad and I were like, hold up, like, this is a nice school. Like, the way their bigs play and everything, I think – I think Wiltshire, it was Wiltshire's year yeah. maybe when, they, when yeah. they played. And we were like, this, like, we need to, we need to watch this school. We like how they play, but we were excited to SMU one. But like, that was the first time I uh, really got wind of like in Zag. And I'd love to play there, especially because it's like 15 minutes from my home. But and that was like my childhood school as well that I'm, I'm like, I was their biggest fan growing up. That's one of the best college basketball arenas that I've been to. Uh, if they would get it going and they could get a crowd there consistently, that would be a tremendous uh, home court advantage, I think. What do you What do you feel? Yeah, no, I kind of – it's not the kennel, but it's kind of like the kennel where it's smaller, but they're kind of – everyone's kind of right on top of you. And, I mean, I remember in high school, I'd, I'd go to as many games as I could just because it was so fun my, like, sophomore and junior year. Just because that place, that's when they had that really good team with like Nick Moore and all of them that would always, they called it the Moody Magic and that place is rocking every night and it kind of flickered out that fire in there. But when they had it going, it was it was a crazy place, environment to be in. College basketball is wide open this year. Um, obviously, ESPN game day was at, at Gonzaga the last week. There's been tremendous games all across the the, the college basketball landscape this week. How much of it do you watch on a nightly basis or when practice is over, you just try to get away and hang out with your teammates and, and just clear your mind? I will say I do like to watch my friends play. Like watching them plays is a lot of fun. That Another Dallas Hooper, Jalen Wilson, I forgot. How could I forget? <laughs> right? Yeah. My homeboy, but there's another one. But uh, like, like watching Kansas play, Oklahoma State play, like where a bunch of my friends play or even SMU, like, I was, if there's a game on, I'll watch it. But a lot of the times, like, Ton and I, and we're all we're on the Xbox playing FIFA or COD. So I was, if, if, we're not on the, if we're not on the game, I'll put one on if there's some good teams playing. So you mentioned a lot of video games. You know, what about the casino? You got a nice commercial package with Northern Quest. Years ago, uh, Coach Few banned my teammates and I from going out to that casino because we were playing too much craps. <laughs> do you have a casino game of choice at Northern Quest? Um, what I like to do is I like to pull out probably like three, four hundred bucks, depending on how I'm feeling. And I'm like, if I lose this amount of money, I'm fine with it. Yeah. So I, what I do is I put a hundred or two hundred on black on on the wheel, and if that thing hits, I'm like, it's about to be a good day. And if it misses, I'm sad, but I'll still gamble. And I, I'm typically that or blackjack. I would say. I really like blackjack a lot or hold on. How, how hard has that been to manage with the new NIL rules? The ability that, hey, Northern Quest is a tremendous partner to Gonzaga Athletics. They're a tremendous uh, partner for you. Walker's Furniture, I think, is another one for you. How hard is that to manage as a, as a student athlete? Because you still got to get your, your, your focus of basketball in. You still got to get your focus of schoolwork in. But now you can have these other entities pulling away uh, for your time. How has that been for you? It's a lot. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, 
it's a lot of time. And even like Sundays when you get your days off, like you have an eight hour commercial day and it's like, all right, I guess I don't get a day off anymore. But uh, without my mom, I don't, I don't know how I could balance everything. Like she helps me run my social media. She helps me make sure like I'm doing my schoolwork. Like she is, she's my everything manager, basically like the unofficial title. Like she helps organize me because I'm a pretty spur of the moment kind of guy. I don't I'm not a good planner, a calendar guy, <laughs> but she helps me with that. Like it's a lot. And I think the, the hard part about it is like, you got to find someone that will help you balance it all because you can't balance school basketball and that together. It's, it's too much to ask for of one person, I think. Yeah, it's a lot. That's for sure. Especially with someone like you, who's got as many uh, people pulling you in different directions as, as you, I'm sure you have eight hour commercials. Come on. You can't knock those out in one take. <laughs> you would think, I mean, I, Sometimes I get mad because I watch, I watch, I've seen my commercials pop up on TV just because we're up, up north, like the Northwest commercial. I'm like, I remember when we filmed this one and they were like, we need 20 more. And we ended up using the one before all the 20 extra ones that we took. It's crazy. They all, it doesn't matter if it's the, the one or not, you're going to take at least like 20, which is, <laughs> I have a newfound appreciation for acting, I guess I could say. So I'll give you a, a quick heads up. The the I did do a commercial uh, after my rookie year with the Hawks. I did one with Guy GMC uh, out in Liberty Lake. They had a Hummer dealership at the time. Uh, let's get you hooked up with Guy for for a Hummer or a GMC or something the last couple months of the year. But uh, I had a Hummer commercial. They loaned me a, a yellow Hummer H two for for a couple years, and I did a commercial. And I swear to God, I was the same way with you. It took like three hours, no good takes. And to this day, my wife still makes fun of me because it was like the worst commercial I've I've ever been a part of. Like I had no per personality. I had no, like the, the camera lights came on and I just like shut down. And it was like monotone. I'm going to need to see that commercial. You didn't have to send me that footage. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe maybe uh, Ryan Gee or somebody at, at George Gee GMC can dig that up, but uh, it was fun, but it wasn't a very good commercial. I, I would imagine they took trade-ins in after that instead of selling cars. It was that bad. <laughs> hey, at least you got your car for a couple of years, though, so that's a steal. That is true. Hey, Drew, I know you got to go, so just a couple more minutes here. Um, you announced through The Athletic with Seth Davis that you weren't coming back. Um, and I thought that was a tremendous move on your part because the spec the speculation is only going to grow over this next couple of weeks and the pressure is going to mount. The questions are going to come in. Just get a, get ahead of it. Um, what were the thought processes for you to go through that? Because I'm sure there was, there was part of you and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure there was parts of you that said, Hey, I can come back. And there were parts that, Hey, I want to go. Because you've got great opportunities professionally. Hopefully, they're at the NBA level. If not, you're going to play high-level basketball professionally somewhere. But you also probably had that tug that's like, hey, with NIL, with Gonzaga, this could be great to come back. Where was your mind at with that and, and how you made that decision? Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people um, last year thought it was set in stone that I was coming back. And people kind of thought I was dragging that decision out for, like, the hype or whatever. But I – that decision was so hard for me to come back. I really, I really was like, I think I can go, you know? And uh, 
that's why it took so long because I had to work out like two days before. Or no, I came back from a workout with the Warriors the day of the like the deadline, you know? Yeah. I had a lot to unpack and it was a tough decision. But I mean, obviously, NIL helped a lot. And then, you know, this year, like we had senior night after the after the St. Mary's game and everyone kept coming up to me like with, with a couple like a month ago, like, what are you doing? Are you coming back? And I'm like, nah. I'm not. I was just telling everyone I'm not coming back when they asked, like, you know, people on the street and stuff. And after that game, he, uh, I got asked that question. And I was like, why not just say it now? Like, I'm not coming back. It was just kind of this, like, sideshow that was getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, I just want to stop this before it gets – it's this big snowball effect where everyone's more worried about me rather than, like, our team, you know, and uh, – and I wanted to have a real senior night. I wanted to be one of those things where people are like, this is really it. Like, this is the last time in the kennel. I wanted to really appreciate that moment and not have people coming up to me after, like, can't wait to see you next year. Like, I wanted that moment to be special for me and my family and when, and for GU just because of all the time that we've had together and all the the good and the bad and everything. I just thought it was the perfect way to kind of end, end my senior night. And then also uh, – Obviously, NIL is a factor, and, like, this place is a factor, but I'm kind of at a point in my career where I feel like it's time for me to just change the scenery up. I feel like I've done – obviously, with bearing more stuff, more games and everything, but I feel like I've done everything I can do here. I kind of feel like I can't really do much more, obviously, than win a national championship. Like, who knows if that will happen or not, hopefully this year. But I, I'm just kind of at that point where it's like, do I really gain that much from coming back just mm-hmm. The pressure is only going to be higher. The, the stakes are going to be higher. The perception is only going to be that much higher. And I feel like, like I play at a pretty high level already. I don't know how much more I can really grow, you know? So I was kind of like, I just think it's time. It's I think it's the perfect time. I think I've got all I can out of GU. I think I've given GU all I can give as well. And I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's like the perfect ending for both of us. No, I agree. I, I think uh, as a former player, I, I can say thank you because I think you've you've given it your 100 percent effort. Uh, you've been a true Zag. And I think Gonzaga has given 100 percent of itself to you to maximize your talents and your opportunities. I, I wish you nothing but the best as you ca- chase your own professional uh, goals and aspirations. But leave leave with this you know there is one thing left for this gonzaga program we've had all americans we've had final fours we've had title games um if you were able to and i know a lot of national prognosticators are saying it's not going to happen this year but we've all seen teams go on magical runs if you could leave gonzaga with a national title how special would that be for you <laughs> i don't know if i could describe that i mean Obviously, we'd always say, like, oh, there's no pressure. Like, we're just going to go out there and hoop. But, like, it's a lot of pressure. And, I mean, I think you feel it as you're just in, being in Spokane. There's that kind of buzz, like, is this the year? Is this the year? It's it's always there. It, do, it doesn't matter, like, <laughs> what's going on. Like, there's always that buzz and always that kind of pressure. And I think, I think to be able to give that to, you know, just the city, the program, and just even the former players, like, it'd be it'd – be, it'd be, I can't even really talk because I'd, you know, start cussing and getting all excited, but like, it'd be freaking sweet. <laughs> and it's something that definitely would just be the cherry on top. And I think what it would mean more for coach too, you know, because he's done everything. I mean, he's a, Hall of Famer. he's a Hall of Famer. Oh, no question. 
like from what he brought this program up from to now, I mean, like, I mean, it's, he's just so decorated. It's like any, the USA basketball, like who would have thought taking the Gonzaga job in 2000 would lead him to here with all the success and the sweet 16s and everything. Like, I think, I think I would just, it would make me the happiest just to put that smile on his face and, you know, like be that team that got it done for him, you know, but it would be cool. Yeah. Well, Drew, I, I know this is a busy time of year for you. I appreciate you carving out some time for me because uh, I know you get swamped with media requests. Uh, it's been a joy to watch you the last four years. It's been uh, nice to get to know you a little bit when I've been at practice. Um, it's been, you know, something that as a former Zag, you will feel this at some point when you talk to other former Zags that are currently playing at that point in time, there's a, there's an amount of pride that we have with the program. And, uh, I, I absolutely pull for you. I, I respect everything you've done. Uh, and I wish you nothing but the best in the future. So thanks for joining.